Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. Let's talk about uh, working with SMEs, multinational corporations to help them uh, strategically future proof their businesses. Joining us now is Rowan Jackson, the chairman of Promising Outcomes. Rowan, good morning. Welcome to Money FM. Good morning to you. How are you doing today? And tell us about Promising Outcomes. What, what exactly are you, are you doing with it? Um, we're, we're an organization which helps uh, companies to measure and then improve the relationship between themselves, their customers, their employees, and their suppliers so that they can improve their profitability and revenue. What's the easiest way for them to do that, Rowan? Do you take them through a program, or how do you uh, ascertain what they actually need? Yeah. Okay. Well, the first thing we need to understand is, is what is their current relationships with these key teams of people, whether it's the customers, the employees, or suppliers. So let's just take customers as an example. Organizations know and have known for quite a long time that actually, if they can improve the relationship with customers, they can improve those customers' retention. If they can improve those customers' retention, they can improve their profitability and grow and succeed as a business. What is important about that is understanding the numbers, because it's really important to recognize that actually profitability can be significantly impacted by growing your relationships with your customers. And just listening to Sito and what he was saying about what he's trying to do in New York is a classic example. Um, if you want the numbers, the numbers are actually quite interesting. Um, if you can increase your customer retention by 5% year on year, you can increase your profitability by between 20 and 125%. Now, that varies from industry to industry, but that's a pretty interesting statistic. Wow. And I see that you work, Promising Outcomes works with clients across all ranges, from medium-sized yes. SMEs to large multinational corporations. But I imagine there must be some overlap, some common thread with regards to the pandemic. I mean, how has the pandemic changed uh, customers' yep. expectations of their product and what they want? Absolutely. It's changed it quite dramatically. And this is a really interesting dynamic, which uh, some of the more advanced companies are picking up on. Um, I think that if I just give you an example, before mm. the pandemic, if I wanted, if I wanted to, to buy food because I need food, I would probably go to a supermarket and I would buy the food and take it away with me. After the pandemic, what has happened is that I actually get the food delivered to my home now. Mm. And so my need for food hasn't changed, but my expectations of how I get that food has changed out of all recognition. <laughs> now, that little analogy works across many, many industries, and there is a, an, an enormous change going on here. Um, if an organization is only working on understanding its customers' needs, that is necessary but not sufficient. They need to understand expectations as well. Interesting. We're talking with Rowan Jackson, the chairman of Promising Outcomes, working with all sizes of companies uh, to help them be strategic in how they future-proof their businesses. Rowan, th this idea of considering the customers uh, is not nothing new. I'm sure you'll you'll uh, uh, agree to that. Uh, with the uh, with the use of big data, for example, in recent years. Companies have been able to be much more granular about what their customers need, where their eyeballs are going, what they want indeed. How do you see the use of data uh, in, in what you're doing to help your customers really uh, look and see what they can do better yeah. with their customers? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're, you're quite right. Of course, data has exploded in the last few years, and organizations across the world, both commercial and non-commercial, are collecting huge amounts of data. Um, the challenge for now, particularly for the leadership teams, and we've carried out a research project on this, uh, is that they're getting so much data, they don't actually get what they really, really want, and that is insight. Mm. The, the data alone by itself is necessary but not sufficient. And what they want is insight. And, and let me tell you what our research identified. The first thing they wanted to know was what is it that I'm going to improve in my customer or my employee experience that will help my customers and employees be loyal to my organization? So what is it that I need to do? So the first message is the data needs to be diagnostic. Let me give you an analogy of that. Hmm. Um, a, doc a doctor will, a patient will take their temperature. Uh, when they got the temperature, they got a score. But the trouble with that is that it's not diagnostic. It doesn't tell the doctor what is wrong with the patient. So the data that they get needs to be diagnostic, needs to tell them what they need to improve. But the second thing is, and this is where it becomes very, very interesting, a lot of the senior executives and businesses today not only want to know how well they're doing with their customers and their employees, but they also want to know how well they're doing against the competition. Hmm. And that's a piece of data. That is a piece of data where... There's probably less done than should be, to be absolutely honest with you. They could do more. Uh, and the, the, the fascinating thing about that, and this is one of the more interesting aspects about this, if you ask your customers in the right way, they'll tell you how the competition performs. It's not difficult. Interesting. So I'd like to stick with your earlier analogy, if I can, because I think that would appeal to all yeah. of our listeners. The shopping analogy is a good one. So yeah. let's say, for example, right, so you know that everybody still needs to shop. Uh, that's that's yeah. basic behavior. That hasn't changed. So you could get data saying, right, shopping has increased by 10% during the pandemic. But also during the pandemic, yeah. it moved away from bricks and mortar to online shopping by 60% or whatever. Yeah. So how would you then go back to your client and say, this is what you need to do? I'm interested to know how promising outcomes fills the gaps. So you go back to yeah. a, you know, a shopping customer and say, right, this is what you need to do. And also, how do you, how do you work out how the competition is doing at the same time? Right, good. Okay, a couple of questions there. Let me, let me start with the first one. Uh, the, the important thing here is that the data that most organizations are collecting and have been collecting for at least 20 years is based on satisfaction. And yet, for over 20 years, we have known, and many people have known, that satisfaction is not a, a reliable predictor of loyalty. Hmm. Um, and, and this is the most interesting story. I mean, it, the Harvard Business Review articles written in the 1990s showing that satisfied customers defect. So we need something else. We mm. need to understand the actual perception of the experience that the customer is getting. And we need to do that in a stable and reliable way. Um, so if you're buying online, of course, we can understand exactly what is happening. And people and companies do map the journey of the customer online. The important thing, though, is to go right back to the beginning in many respects with organizations and ask them what it is that the customer actually expected in the first place. And that's a question that doesn't get asked. Hmm. Uh, and it, it, it is needing to be asked in a pretty systematic way. And secondly, it needs to be asked by an independent organization. You can't do this yourself. 
you need a specialist to be able to do it. And that's, of course, what Promising Outcomes does. Yeah, Rowan uh, Jackson is our guest right now, Chairman of Promising Outcomes. Rowan, is that to say that you know certain metrics like the Net Promoter Score and others really aren't all that helpful? If, if loyal customers are just going to defect anyway for whatever the reason, uh, you know, yeah. the J.D. Power Awards and, and all these great accolades mm. that people really hang their hats on, uh, I'm, I'm hearing you say that perhaps those aren't as important, necessary, useful as one might have thought. Uh, I, I think the word useful is pretty fundamental here, Glenn. They, they, there, there is an interesting dynamic happening in this world of measurement at the moment. Um, I've already pointed out that satisfaction is a core predictor of loyalty. Hmm. What, what is interesting with the Net Promoter Score is that when it was created by Fred Reichelt in the 1990s, uh, it, it, it took off in a very, very big way, and I'm sure that many of your listeners have actually been using the Net Promoter Score for a long time. Yep. There is a challenge, and Fred Reichelt actually said this himself, and that is that the Net Promoter Score is not diagnostic. Um, go back to my doctor's analogy with the patient. It tells you a score in the same way that the thermometer or other device tells the doctor what the patient's temperature is, but it doesn't tell you what to do. And just to give you an example, there is increasing levels of dissatisfaction now in the market in measurement with the Net Promoter Score. I, I talked to a chief executive of an 800 million pound business recently, and he said, I've just surveyed all my customers and all my employees in all the countries in the world we operate in with the Net Promoter Score, and I don't understand what value I got. Mm. That's the challenge. So what, what's happening is, if you like, um, the measurement techniques that have been used for the last 20 years are now being challenged by those critical thinking leaders of businesses are saying, actually, I want something better. Hmm. What, what, and what, just to follow up, so then what are they jumping to? What, what's coming next for well, them? Well, the, they are moving towards this whole concept of actually understanding that the, the principal driver of customer behavior and loyalty and employee behavior and loyalty is the degree to which their organization actually meets the expectations of their customers or their employees. So the step that's needed is, as I said, step one is go and find out what those expectations are in a very systematic and rigorous way. Mm. Step two is then go out and say, how well are we doing against those expectations? What's our performance like? So if you like, this is the customer or the employee giving the organization a performance score. Now, the interesting about that, if you do it in a certain way, one of the things that comes out is that basically uh, the customer tells you what you need to improve. Hooray! The second question you asked, Glenn, was an interesting one. Many, many customers of organizations are actually also customers of their competitors. So if you ask the customer not only how well your organization is doing, but in addition, how well is the competition doing, mm. you get two points of reference, not one. Mm. That is very powerful indeed. Mm. And just to add to that, Rowan, I'm assuming there must be another spanner in the works in the sense that that customer you mentioned is not a single beast, is he or she? Could be European, could be Asian, could be African, could be North American. So you have different criteria for different territories. How does that play into your modelling? Well, that's a very good question. And interestingly enough, just to give you an example of one organization we worked with in the pharmaceutical industry, where we, where we worked in 12 countries across the world in nine languages, including Chinese and Japanese and, and so on. 
um, that there was an there was an expectation by their uh, the organisation that the expectations of their customers would vary across the world. And so what we did is we said, well, let's go and find out. Let's go and see what let's let's find out what they they tell us. And to their surprise, and and but actually not to our surprise, is their expectations were not very much varying across international boundaries and not varying hugely by cultures. However, there is an area that they do vary, and that is the degree to which the company is actually achieving performance scores. So in, in uh, Singapore, the organization was doing pretty well, but in Brazil, it wasn't doing so well. So they were able to see using the same uh, set of expectations how they were performing in different countries. Fascinating. Rowan, that's, Fascinating. A, that's a very interesting conversation. Uh, thank you so much for being with us today to, to unpack uh, what, uh, what the smarter companies are doing and how they are looking at this. If somebody wants to get in touch with you for more information, how do they find you? Uh, it's very, very easy. Rowan, R-O-W-A-N, at promisingoutcomes.com. There you go. It doesn't get much easier than that. Rowan Jackson, thanks so much for being with us today on Money FM. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.